0: Blocked currently. Oh no! No, unblock. Hold on. You want to unblock the unbox? Do it. There it is. You unblock. They're unblocked.
1: What's up, all you lovely people? Welcome back to another edition of Out of Character with me. Ryan Satin. I really enjoyed last week's conversation with Rey Mysterio, but this week I've got another person who I can't wait to chat with. They've got a big match coming up at NXT TakeOver in your house, and there is so much to discuss with them. I want to get them on here now. Former NXT Champion, three-time NXT North American Champion, former NXT Tag Team Champion, and NXT's first ever Triple Crown winner. Johnny Gargano. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week.
0: Thank you, Ryan. It's my pleasure.
1: So, let's address the elephant in the room here first because there's a big elephant we got to talk about here right from the beginning. Can you unblock the WWE on Fox account? Because (laughs) the social media guy is really (laughs) bummed about it this whole time. And we've got you on the show now. It feels like this is an olive branch and we're going to be tagging you in a bunch of stuff. So, Would it be possible for you to unblock us now? You know what?
0: Otis and Mandy, I think, is officially dead. So I'd assume their opinions on the best couple in WWE has changed. And now it is me and Candice. So I will unblock them, but they do have to say that Johnny and Candice are officially the best couple in WWE. So that's, that's that's my terms here. I, I will say, I cannot tell you. So I believe I when I had the idea to block them, I was laughing like a little schoolgirl and showing Candice like, oh, I think I'm gonna actually block them.
1: <laughs> and then I did. Just know it has stung him this whole time. Like he's like, man, I love Johnny Gargano. Eddie, and I love Candice LeRae. Of course I think they're one of the best couples in WWE. He's like, even yesterday, I love that you remember the reason you blocked them because even yeah. yesterday when he brought it up to me, he was like, Mandy and Otis aren't even a couple anymore. Can we please move past this? You know what? Hold on.
0: Here we go. I'm pulling uh, it up on my phone right now. Are we getting the unblock hearing right that, now? Hearing that from you. It's, it's blocked yeah. currently.
1: Oh, no, no, unblock.
0: Hold on. You want to unblock, it would be on Fox.
1: <laughs> Do it.
0: There it is, you're unblocked, they're unblocked. There we're you go. Back,
1: everyone, we're back. There you go, round of applause. If, if G screws this up and says that you guys aren't his favorite couple going forward, there's no forgiveness. He's got two this strikes, point. he's got two strikes. I got a quick block <laughs> finger now. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the good stuff. How much of your real true self would you say there is in the character of Johnny Gargano right now on NXT TV?
0: Oh, man. So, I mean, you just talked to me. And we've known each other for a long time. Uh, and you can see how I act in real life, what with blocking WB on Fox and whatnot. But so it's funny because people would think that when I was like kind of the lovable underdog Johnny Gargano, they think that that is the real Johnny Gargano. But it, it's horrifying to say. But I think what you're seeing on television right now is as close to the real Johnny Gargano as you're going to get. Again, horrifying to say. But a lot of these things that come across, a lot of these ideas are just things that I do when I'm goofing around. Like that whole Johnny Gariano hates wheels thing, that was literally something that I I joked about in rehearsal. Like they announced the wheel and I was like, oh, I hate wheels. And everyone laughed. And when I saw everyone laugh, I was like, oh, that might be something there. So then I started doing the I hate wheels thing. And that became a thing of its own. So I think it's just really fun right now for me to be able to,
1: I guess just do anything and get away with anything. <laughs> it's super fun, man. I'm having the time of my life. So would you say then you would, you have more fun playing a heel than you do a babyface? Oh yes, yeah, so much. You can get away with so many.
0: Uh, and people forget, like I was a heel on the indies for basically a lot of my career. Like it's what I was most known for until I came to until I came to WWE, and then I started being that lovable underdog Johnny Gargano. So that was something I kind of had to get used to. Uh, but it is so much, I'd say it's so much easier to be a heel Cause you can get away with anything. Like you can see, like when we did the way Christmas special, like that was basically all of us in a room filming and just making stuff up on the fly and being like, this is funny. And like Austin saying something, I'm like, Oh, that was great. Say that. Or Indy saying something. I'm like, Oh, that's great. Say that. Or me being like, Oh man, I got this extra PS5 box. I think I'm going to give it to Indy as a gift that she can unwrap it. And then that's when the indie wrestling name could be inside of it. Like I mean, literally it's all of just
1: these ideas. And luckily I get the freedom
0: to kind of play around with
1: it a lot. I mean, that's so cool that you have that freedom. I think a lot of people assume that every single little thing is scripted for you guys. So it's cool to hear that you get to have kind of that um, improv fun when you when you do those kinds of things.
0: And I think it comes with a sense of trust. Like, I think if you just start here, you can't just go out there and start improv and they're gonna be okay with it like I've been around NXT for a long time and I I know Sean, I know Hunter. So like, I think they they trust me enough to be able to say, okay, Johnny can go out there and then make this thing work and make it good. And I I like to think I know DX's sense of humor anymore. So uh, I think I got a good finger on the pulse of what they like and what people will like as well.
1: It's funny hearing you talk about your your indie run and being a heel then, because I remember watching you at PWG shows before you were in NXT doing the babyface stuff. And I'll never forget, I was talking about it the other day, it used to crack me up how at those PWG shows, like one side of the room would be the Gargano section and the other side of the room would hate you. And there would be this like this, this yeah. uh, battle between sides all the time. And it used to be so much fun. I'm very polarizing. I don't know why. I
0: don't know why I'm so polarizing. Like I'd like to think it's pretty cut and dry, but I, I do find a certain section of the audience really loves me. And I think I'm the best in the world. And then a certain section of the audience hates me. They think I'm the worst in the world. So it's pretty fun that, I guess, people can have these opinions. And and honestly, I'm just glad they care enough to have an opinion about me. So I think what John Cena says, as long as they're making noise, that's all that matters, right? So,
1: What do you think it is about you that's so polarizing to people? I don't
0: know. Maybe, so
1: I'm going to say, so everyone knows I'm kind of an undersized
0: guy for being a professional wrestler. I, I guess in this current climate, maybe not so much so. But so, I guess I know my fan base and I'm a nerd at heart as well. So, I always used to say if you know, I can, I can look out in the audience, and if I, I got the kids, I got some of the girls, like I got the guys that kind of look like me, the kind of undersized, nerdy guys, like they can see themselves in me so they can cheer me on. But then I feel like there's also a section of the audience that is like Tommaso's, like the, the burly, bearded, like rugged men and they do not like me at all because i'm this little guy who should not be in wrestling anymore uh so yeah i think maybe it's that maybe it's the size thing maybe it's just how i act maybe it's how i wrestle i think there's a lot of things in this current day and age that everyone people a lot of people have different opinions on things obviously but i'm gonna say maybe the the size thing is a big thing for a lot of people
1: yeah, that, that definitely makes sense with the old school crowd for sure, and and the the guys who expect all their wrestlers to be. Me and Adam feet Cole tall. joke
0: all the time. If you are a fan of the Attitude Era, you
1: hate all of us. <laughs> Yeah, that's. but I feel like you guys, I don't know. I feel like you guys do such a good job of turning people's opinions once somebody does give you guys a chance because I could 100% see that. My dad is that type where he likes the big guys. And I remember I took him to a PWG show once and he was not expecting to love it. And it totally changed his opinion of, of that style of wrestling and being like, oh, this rules. Same for when I took him to an NXT show. He was like, oh, this is so different than what I'm used to. And I think that it just takes someone kind of being... Seen it one time to kind of turn a little bit and, and enjoy what the, the current wave is doing.
0: I think that speaks to the climate as well to where I think people make up their minds so quickly. Like they see a picture and that's their first reaction to things is like they'll see a picture of me and they're like, oh, he doesn't look like a wrestler. And, they, and they're like, oh, I'm not gonna watch that guy wrestle. To whereas I think if you give me a chance and you watch one of my matches and you see that there are stories to be told. there are stories that are are out there that maybe you can kind of relate to or or associate with. So I think it just comes down to people not giving things a chance or viewing things with an open mind. Because I think people make their mind up so quickly and they just kind of stick and dig their
1: feet in on that opinion. where they don't want to change that opinion if something comes along that might change their opinion. Prior to joining WWE, was creating a character for yourself something that you focused on at all? Because the era of indies that you came up with was much more about the work rate than anything else.
0: Yeah, so that's a that's another big thing. So now we're just getting into all these critiques about myself. Uh, I see that a lot, and that's something that I don't know if they made me mad, but uh, people are all like, "Okay, he's a great wrestler, man. He is a great wrestler, but what's his character?" Like, I don't get what his character is. Like, so a lot of guys like me get that nowadays. And I kind of took that to heart. I was like, okay, when I when I came up with this heel incarnation of Johnny Gargano, what you see on TV currently, I was like, okay, well, people know I'm a great wrestler. But let me challenge myself now and show them a completely different side of myself they haven't seen yet. Let me dress up in, in crazy clothes and wear a headband. And, and do these outlandish things, and hate wheels and have these rational fear of inanimate objects and just all this crazy stuff that I can kind of throw up on TV. Uh, so the way Johnny Organo was kind of my like, okay, I showed everyone that I can have great matches, but now I'm gonna show everyone that Johnny Organo can be a full-fledged character. He can go out there and he can entertain you in different ways as opposed to just a wrestling match.
1: I find that incredibly fascinating because I, I think that, you know, you really have you know each along the way of your in your NXT career you really have proven different things you've proven that you can have you know 45 minute matches that tear the house down that are some of the best matches in NXT or WWE history you've proven that you can have one of the best storylines in WWE history in my opinion and i like that now you have challenged yourself again with the way as a heel to try to ex- to, to expand your character in ways that people might not uh have thought that you could do i think that's really cool that you don't try to stay in one place all the time
0: i feel like that's been the constant flow of my career to where like especially in nxt where i started in a tag team with diy and it it became okay well johnny just a great tag team guy and diy broke up and then me and Tommaso had these matches me me and diy broke up and then me and andrade had these matches like oh well he just a a great singles guy, but can he tell a story? And then me and Tommaso had our feud. are like, okay, well, they can tell a story, but, you know, what's his character? And now I'm doing the way thing. So I feel like every single time I just try to try to reach them goalposts that people keep moving. I feel like every time I do something, people move the goalposts and I got to try to get to that goalpost now. So I'm waiting to see what the next thing is. But, I mean, as an artist and as someone who is creative, that just challenges me to change things up and try something new. And, I think in this business, like that's where longevity, 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 <laughs> or whatever that word is, I got what you mean. Uh, longevity, the being being around for a long time, whatever that is. Uh, I think that's where that comes in because the more you change, man, I get it. It's a TV show. You don't want to watch the same character on that show for five years. I 100 percent get that. Uh, especially for me being in NXT for so long, I felt like I needed to evolve. I needed to change, and what you see on TV right now is a result of
1: that. Did you push for having your own faction of, of you and Indy and Austin and, and Candace?
0: Yes. Uh, so towards the end of my babyface run, I was, like I said, you do something for so long, you just get bored with it, man. And I was creatively stifled to where I was like, oh, there's nothing more I can do. I feel like I need to turn. I need to change. And, and Hunter obviously felt that same way. And the the pitch originally came with like, oh, what about Candace? And I was like, well, Candice feels the same way where she feels like she's done a lot as a baby face, but we both feel like together that package could refresh both of us. And then it came the idea of like, well, I think I'm doing this Gargano way thing. I think a faction could be a cool thing. And then the idea of evolution kind of came in my mind. Um, and awesome theory was a guy I worked with in evolve. Um, he was kind of just toiling around as well. And I kind of pitched it as look like he could be the Randy to my hunter. Uh, And I can kind of help him like kind of improve and get confident on screen and get comfortable and give him a spotlight. And then Indy was someone that we were big fans of. uh, And we kind of likened her to Dave Batista. We call her big Dave all the time. Uh, So we kind of likened it to evolution to where like you kind of introduce these two new characters on screen and give them a platform to grow in and get comfortable. And I think like it's worked wonders for Indy and Austin. I think having the chance to go out there and get comfortable in a group, but also get comfortable in the ring, get comfortable on pre-tapes, get comfortable in things like that. Like I think they've grown so much. and I'm so proud of them because they're immensely talented people. And I think they're gonna be stars for this company for a long time. You don't realize how young they are. They're freaks of nature, man, it's crazy. Me and Candice are old.
1: (laughs) I was gonna say that about Indy, man. I think when you see Indy in some of these backstage segments that she's been doing with Dexter Loomis and the in-ring stuff, and just in general, her whole storyline with him, you're like, man, this girl has so much talent for such a young age that, man, the sky is just the limit for her, I feel like, and considering how much she's already accomplished and shown in such a short amount of time on NXT.
0: Yeah, we're so proud of Indy, man. Like, especially like looking at the street fight a couple weeks ago, we were working with that, working on that elbow drop with her in a ring. And that was the first time she's ever done a match with weapons or anything like that. Uh, And of course, she's with Candice, who is the, as you know, as you were probably there live for it, uh, the the queen of street <laughs> fights and whatnot uh so it was so cool to see indy go out there and hit that springboard elbow to the floor through a table didn't even think twice about it and like she's such a star uh when we do any rehearsals or anything like that people always wonder like oh man is she gonna be okay but as soon as that light comes on she's got it man like i don't know like the work it gets thrown around a lot but indy hartwell she has it she's gonna be a star for a really long time
1: I think she's someone like you too, who is just such a student of wrestling too. Of where she's watched it her entire life, she has always been a fan of it since she was, you know, this tall. And I think that that helps her a lot too because she's just she's she's just ready to, for the opportunity.
0: It's funny, like just hanging out with them. How I think I did the tweet a while ago. How we're not a faction; we're a family. And when I pitched this whole faction idea, trust me, the whole sitcom family thing was not something I pitched. It just, it, like, I remember when I was still a babyface and I would write these emails. I sent out a long, like, so many-page email of just different ideas on factions and who we can feud with and who can be in it and music and what we can wear and just things like that. Because I was just trying to think of different things I can do and get ready for the, the time when we, I'd be a heel. Uh, but the the sitcom family thing is not something that I pitched. It was just something we kind of leaned into. And it came when we filmed the Christmas special to where everyone was just kind of interacting with one another and we would joke around a lot and call Austin and Indie our kids because they kind of look like just big versions of, like we made them in a lab uh, so we would call them our kids and it just kind of became something that kind of took off on screen and that just became our dynamic and people kind of really latched onto it and it is something that is incredibly different I never thought
1: I'd be a, a 90 sitcom father
0: on a WWE show but
1: here I am. I was gonna ask, are there any like sitcom dads you've taken inspiration from for your for this new role? No, uh, I, I think I, I got a lot of Tim the Toolman Taylor, I
0: think.
1: he's <laughs> <laughs> gotta have some more sound effects in your, in, that you can do yeah, out loud. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what was your reaction? I'm gonna go back a little bit. What was your reaction when you first started working with NXT and you were working without a full contract um, and you got to keep working the indies as well. How was that for you? Did you enjoy that or did you hope that you, were you kind of bummed that you didn't have a full-on NXT contract at that time?
0: So, it was such an interesting time to where we would come and do these NXT shows, but we wouldn't even know if we'd be booked for the next one. So it was, just, it was kind of a handshake deal to where we would hope we'd be booked, because I think that story's been told to death, but me and Tommaso were told no at our tryouts. We were told there's no room for us currently. And then they found a spot for us in the Dusty Rose tagging class. Like that, I mean, what you saw on screen is pretty it's all real uh we were working with a lot of uncertainty like i'd have to text every week and ask if i'm going to be used for television because i didn't know uh but obviously my goal and my dream was to be here in wwe and to work for nxt because i really wanted to be a part of that product i'd sit home and i'd watch the takeovers remember me and Tommaso would text during the takeovers i believe it was uh, uh sammy we'd watch sammy and kevin and we'd be like man like this is such a cool environment such a cool atmosphere like we want to be a part of this because it just felt like such a cool vibe and the place to be. Uh, so when we were told no going to try out, we were heartbroken. We didn't, we didn't know what to do, but we were kind of given that chance to industrial tag team classic. And we kind of viewed it as, man, we got to make the most of every opportunity because we don't know the next time we're going to get one. And it was so wild though, just to be able to go and do an NXT taping, but then go and do an indie match as well. I remember one WrestleMania weekend, I, I was wrestling for Evolve and I would do like a show in the afternoon I run over to access, I do an NXT taping, and then I run back over and I'd wrestle again at night back in Evolve, like it just it was such a wild time. Uh yeah, man, like it, it, but now looking back on it, like things worked out so perfectly and I wouldn't change a thing because it just it made us work that much harder because like I said, we didn't know the next time we get an opportunity. So we had to make the most of every one we got.
1: You know, it's it's funny now looking back on it, I feel like Got in today's NXT, you'd never see that situation where someone isn't really oh. is there as much as you guys were, but not really on a deal and and being spotlighted like that. I feel like you rarely see that nowadays.
0: No, I don't. I don't, I, I don't think that time period of wrestling will ever happen again. I think that was a one of a kind situation.
1: It's funny when also when I look back at that era, and I was looking at your your cage match. And I was looking at the matches. It's, it's just, it's so weird to see you going from like NXT to like evolve to like random indie in the middle of nowhere to like, you know, just all these back and forth things. You're like, man, but I feel like, I feel like you guys being, I feel like you guys doing that did help a lot of indies at the time, get some eyes on them that might not have been there before. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, I definitely felt, it felt a shift for me, especially like when I'd be at the merch table or whatnot. To where, like, so many people would be more excited to come up and talk to me just because I was on NXT TV. Because NXT kind of had that that buzz and that aura about it to where it was just such a hot product. Uh, And it's such a hot thing uh, that I would go to these indies and that's all anyone would want to talk about. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think it it helped out. So many people would help me out a ton. And I remember when they were talking about signing us. Uh, We were originally going to sign a contract that would let us do doing indies and then do nxt as well uh but then like obviously things changed and we got signed and but it it helped out so much too because it's such a different world to where we would go and do these nxt matches and then we just leave like we wouldn't be at the performance center we wouldn't wouldn't do anything like that we'd go and do these nxt matches and i'd go and wrestle on the indies and i'd wrestle a different guy like it just it's such a different way of doing things but like you said my cage match probably looks crazy probably like elias and then Apollo Crews, and then like some random indie guy. Like, yeah, it's
1: wild. <laughs> it is. I, it's such like, a random mix of people at that point in time. It's great. It's fun to, to go back and look at because you're like, man, that was a that, weird time. <laughs> that helped me out, though, too
0: much. That helped me out so much in NXT as well because people knew we didn't have contracts. So every single time we'd come to full sale, people would be like, we want these guys signed. I remember the first time that I wrestled in a full sale, like the crowd lost their minds because I was an unsigned guy. And it was such a a time period where you never knew who would show up.
1: Yeah. There was even, I feel like that was even the time period where you could start chanting, like sign this guy and Triple H might actually (laughs) sign the guy.
0: Yeah. Especially in the Cruiserweight Classic when he came out with Cedric. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a wild
1: time. (laughs) At what point did you realize there was something special between you and Tommaso Ciampa?
0: So I don't want to say it was from an in-ring thing. I think when we started doing the glorious bombs with, with Bobby Roode, that is when it, first started uh and it's funny because the whole uh glorious bomb thing came from i guess it was, it was a joke but it kind of came from a joke as well to where we were rehearsing the parade for the cruiserweight classic uh, and all the cruiserweight guys are rehearsing that parade you saw and during rehearsals they started playing the glorious song and we're like wait a minute is this for the cruiserweight classic this song's wild like we're like what the heck is this song so we were all singing it like glorious. I, they were just playing the song and we didn't know what it was for. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, later on, we found out right, it was not the Crucible Classic, yeah. it was for Bobby Roode. Uh, but then Bobby Roode debuted with that song. Me and Dimash were like, oh, well, we love that song so much. We want to start doing these Glorious Bomb things. And I remember when we walked up to Bobby in the gym, we we're like, hey, Bobby, we have this idea. Uh, we want to do the Glorious Bomb thing where like, we just kind of like play the Glorious Song wherever you randomly are. And we'd bring the camera up and you'd be behind us. You'd give us a knock. He's like, okay, whatever. Then we posed the first one and the internet blew up. over it. <laughs> so that is when we really realized like, oh, like this is starting to catch on. And then obviously our work with Revival, uh, I cannot say enough good things about that. Like that really cemented us and really kind of, that was obviously our first takeover. Um, takeover Brooklyn at the Barclays Center was our first one. And to go in there with those guys and to have that match, I don't, I don't think I'd be sitting here today if that match didn't go the way it did. Like I think that match went so well, it made them realize like, oh wait a minute, like we might have something special here with these guys. And like obviously the rest is history. But to be able to do that in Brooklyn, then have the two out of three falls in Toronto, like that, I, I we were made men from those
1: matches. Yeah, the, God, the matches you guys had with Revival were so good. It's crazy to me too, when I look back on that and see how short your NXT title reign actually was, the one that you guys had. It wasn't very long mm-hmm. considering how much people remember DIY and all the classic stuff that you guys did in NXT.
0: Yeah, and that was, I guess, kind of for a reason. So when me and Tommaso were paired together as a tag team, I think the initial idea was always to do me versus Tommaso.
1: Interesting. Because you
0: look at us and we're not, not a prototype tag team. We are completely polar opposites. And You look at Tommaso, he is a heel all day. (laughs) You look at me, I am a lovable underdog babyface all day until now. Uh, But during that time period, especially, like especially our first initial time on screen, you look at us right out the gate, you see heel, you see babyface. good guy bad guy so i think when we were put out there as a team and especially because we 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 pitched this our initial goal was always to feud with one another because we knew we would be able to make magic and we were two singles guys like i wasn't a tag team guy on the indies other than with chuck taylor and and jatara and whatnot like especially but uh like i was a singles guy and he was a singles guy so what you saw on camera as a tag team is us growing together so i don't think we were always going to be be together so long. I think we just caught fire. I think the glorious bomb thing took off. I think the national revival went so well that they were like, wait a minute. Like we, we might actually want to keep you guys together. You look at it too. Like if you look at that time period, um, there were seeds planted. If you watch the shows, you watch the Cruiserweight classic and you watch Brooklyn, there were seeds planted to where uh, I beat Tommaso in the first round of the Cruiserweight classic. And then, uh, I get my knee injured against Revival uh, and I tap out and then I lose to TJP with my knee already injured. So there there were seeds planted and there was kind of an escape rope if we felt like we reached our pinnacle as a tag team to where Tommaso could have turned on me in Brooklyn. And that would have been the end of it. Uh, but obviously we caught fire. The glorious bomb thing took off. We were able to have Toronto and have that great match with Revival and the rest is history.
1: Well, okay, so then if you always kind of thought that that was where this was going, did you guys play up your friendship on social media even more so so that it would yeah. affect it more when the turn happened? Yeah. So that was all intentional yeah. back then? But, no, but like,
0: so we played up our, our friendship on social media, but it was real life. Like, so me and Candace got married um, and we moved to Orlando a couple weeks after that. And Tommaso moved in with us. We all, us three, of We lived together in Orlando, first in our apartment in Orlando. We all moved. I moved from Cleveland. He moved from Milwaukee. Uh, And me, Candace, and Tommaso lived together in an apartment for at least a couple, a year or so uh, in Orlando. So what you saw on camera, yes, we were playing up our friendship, but it was very real. Like we were just amplifying it or showing social media even more. Like I remember the very famous one of us with the festival of friendship to where... (laughs) <laughs> Tommaso's moving the TV. Yes. We posted that picture, uh, and we obviously knew where we were going with it, but we wanted to have fun with it as well. Uh, and then, yeah, like we were able to do that. But like I said, like our friendship like grew so much. It's just it's it's something that we we put a lot on social media because we realized that where we were going, but it's also something that's very real.
1: I rewatched the the unsanctioned match to prep for this interview, and it really is a masterpiece. Like you guys really killed it in that match. And the crowd was so hyped for it the whole time. How much adrenaline was running through your body as that match began? And you knew this was finally going to happen.
0: So I always, especially during that period, I always had a fear, especially in Gorilla, that people were going to start turning on me. Being like the lovable underdog baby Face, it's really easy to for a crowd, a portion of the crowd to start hating you, as, as we've already discussed. Um, I just remember being in New Orleans and being in Gorilla during Tommaso's entrance. And I will never have a feeling like that again to where I watched Tommaso make his entrance. And if you haven't seen that, just watch the entrance. I have never seen a man. So universally hated, like the entire arena hated Tommaso that night. And I just remember sitting back and getting goosebumps and thinking like, Oh my God, this is going to be crazy. Cause it was such a wild environment. That when my music hit, and the crowd lost it. I did my entrance. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is why we do this, right?" That this is the this is why we do what we do. You have a good guy that's universally loved. You have a bad guy that's universally hated. Something you don't get anymore in this day and age. Everything's so shades of gray, and people like one thing, people hate one thing. But during that time period, you had two guys who like a hero, a villain. Like it was such a great story that luckily, I don't say luckily, but. I mean, Tommaso tearing his ACL uh, and going away for a little bit like made that story prolong and made people want it even more. Like I don't, I don't think things could have worked out more perfectly because obviously the plan was not for Tommaso to tear his ACL during that ladder match. Uh, that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, like like tearing him tearing his ACL obviously made that story last even longer, and then I was able to go on a singles run and have that match with Andrade that cemented me like, as this kind of A1 babyface, and then for him to come out and ruin that moment that I had in Philadelphia, like, man, like, we could not have dreamt of up any more perfect.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like as terrible as that injury was, it absolutely strengthened your guys' feud in the end because ultimately it allowed you to become a single superstar on your own in NXT, and then to pick it back up again was just... Oh, man, I, when I watched it again last night, for the reasons that you just said, I had goosebumps the whole time watching it because we don't really get to see a universally hated heel and a universally loved baby face to where the entire crowd is in, is in full agreement here of who they are cheering for and who they are rooting against. And those near falls, when you guys are able to do that, just like uh, like gets me. I know I know who wins the match, and they still get me when I watch it back. That's how great they are.
0: Yeah, man. That's that's the beauty of what we do. Like uh, that that's a time period I'm gonna look back on as like I don't want to say I reached my peak, but I mean that was that's like something that is gonna go down in history that I'm incredibly proud of.
1: Did you have any extra pressure seeing Shane McMahon in the front row when you had that match?
0: So I don't think so. Like, so <laughs> it was I was very lucky to where so I had that match with Andrade in Philadelphia, and that was the one where I was kind of like okay like I just made it in a pay-per-view I made it in a takeover singles match like it was universally praised I was like okay well like it gave me a lot of confidence going into this one to where I was like okay I feel pretty confident that I know what I'm doing (laughs) it just kind of gave me that that self-assurance to where I was like okay I'm gonna go in this with Tommaso and having a crowd like that just makes things so much easier for you
1: you mentioned earlier that you know you would put in little things that you're, you know, that fans could notice like with the knee and the, you know, you winning and all that kind of stuff. Is it fun for you to find ways of doing that to, to reward viewers with a keen eye?
0: Cause you do that yeah. a lot. So I feel like the, you and Ciampa did
1: that a lot in your feud. There was like a lot yes. of little things.
0: <laughs> and that was on purpose. Like we sit back and we'd obviously, uh, whether it be social media or whether it be on camera, we'd always think of the little details and uh, we were very lucky as well to where Sean and Hunter obviously had a blood feud and you have a good guy and you have a bad guy. And I patted myself obviously after Sean a lot and Tommaso patterns himself off Hunter a lot. So it really worked out for us. where We were able to sit down with those guys and kind of map this thing out and plan this thing out and have their, their mind. Cause they're two of the smartest guys I've ever met in wrestling in life in general. Uh, they have such a, a great mind for this. Um, but that's no secret. Um, but so I'm a big Marvel fan, obviously. I think that's pretty well-known by now. But I, I, love, I love Easter eggs. I love callbacks. I love things like that. And I think all the time, man, like why can't wrestling be like that? Why can't we have long-term storytelling where we reward viewers for tuning in? And I think that is a thing that wrestling needs more than ever is you need to reward the viewer for tuning in every week. Or else they're going to feel like they are wasting their time and no one wants to waste their time. Like that's why I try to put so much thought into what I do when I can have control over it. I try to put so much thought into what I can do. It came down to even, especially when on my takeover run down to my gear, I put so much stress and pressure on myself to where like, okay, I couldn't just wear a particular gear just to wear it. There needed to be a reason why my character is going through this struggle. There needed to be a reason I can relate to this character that I'm currently inspired by. Um, so I, I try to put even the minute details into everything I do, just because I'm a wrestling fan. I know what it's like. I I, I am a fan of pop culture and things like that. So I I like to be rewarded for viewing something. And I I think wrestling fans should feel the same way.
1: You know, on that topic of nerd stuff, you know, Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, all that kind of stuff. I want to talk to you about one non-wrestling related topic and that's Disneyland, because I love Disneyland. And I have one question that I want to know that I've been dying to talk to you about. And that's Club 33, and for those of you watching who maybe don't know what Club 33 is, it's like a private restaurant inside of Disneyland that you, it's very, very, very hard to get into. And Johnny ate there once. One, I don't know if you've eaten there more since. Uh, Only once, what was that like? I'm so jealous, I've always wanted to talk to someone who's eaten at Club 33.
0: Amazing, so wrestling has allowed me to do and meet a lot of amazing people that uh, work in different walks of life. Uh, and Candace obviously is a huge Disney fan. Um, she was more of a Disney fan than I was growing up. Like I never went to Disneyland. I never went to Disney world. Uh, I never experienced any of that until I met Candace and obviously we got married at Disneyland. Um, and she always wanted to go to club 33 and luckily one of my buddies, they one more of our buddies named Eric Goldman. Uh, he had reservations at club 33. Uh, and he asked us if he wanted to go. And of course we took him up on the opportunity. It's, it's amazing, man. Like, it's such a cool thing. Like like I said, we've gotten the chance to do so many cool things. Uh, like our buddy Jimmy, who works for Marvel, got, got a chance to – so we went into Walt Disney's actual office in California. That's so uh, it's sick. the only time I've seen Candace cry, actually, is in <laughs> Walt Disney's office. <laughs> <But> <laughs> like she walked in and just like started cheering like up because she was so overwhelmed with emotion because she loves Walt Disney so much. Uh, but, yeah, I've been very lucky to do a lot of cool things, but those are those are some of the ones that I've I've gotten the chance to do.
1: Um, dude, that's so cool. Wait, the the Walt's office thing. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's so rad as as a, I'm a SoCal kid, like, like Candace. So I too, like, I grew up 15 minutes from Disneyland and loved going, growing up. So that's awesome that you guys did that.
0: Yeah. Our buddy like works in Marvel and they offered up like a, like, uh, a, like a, a raffle. And if you won the raffle, you were able to go into Walt Disney's office because they don't give tours very often. And he invited me and
1: Candace to come too. Uh, so
0: we, we got a chance to go do that.
1: With Club 33, isn't there like animatronics in the, the restaurant too or something like that? Like birds or something? Uh,
0: yeah, I, it, it, it's, I, I'm trying to remember because it's such a blur. We're going <laughs> to take everything all in. And obviously, like Club 33 has special exclusive merchandise that you can only buy in Club 33. And me and Candace are big merchandise people. Yeah. So and, and the, 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 it's expensive. I was like, oh my God, we're going to go freaking broke at Club 33. The uh, shirts are that expensive?
1: Are the shirts expensive? <laughs> but we did get,
0: we got, yeah, of course we did. Yeah, we got merchandise, of course. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, rank the top five. Hey, happy rides. wife,
0: happy life, man. Come on, say I mean, whatever she wants.
1: Uh, yeah, I know she loves Disneyland, so yeah, you got to make sure that she, that she enjoys it. Rank the top five rides for you at Disneyland. What do you think of the top five rides at Disneyland? <sighs>
0: At Disneyland. Okay, so that's... You can include Disney World, at, too, if fun. you want. Disney World, Disneyland, yeah. any Disney place. Okay, so number one, right now, my favorite ride currently is Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Uh, I think that is such a it's a, such an amazing ride, such an amazing experience. Uh, so Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. So I'm not going to put them in any order because that's just going to be too hard for me. Fair. Uh, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is one of my favorites. Uh, this is Disney World, the Flight of Passage, uh, Avatar. Uh... I'm, I'm I love alone. Space Mountain. I'm a Space cool. Mountain guy. Disneyland Space Mountain is actually better than Disney World Space Mountain. Why? I will say that. Why is that? Uh, uh, so it's just a different – it's a different experience, man. Disney World is – it's more vintage, and it kind of messes you up a lot. Uh, it beats you up a bit. Okay. Disneyland actually does special, uh, like, seasonal things, yep. overlays on it. Yep. Like, you'll have, like, the Halloween overlay with the ghosts. You have a Star Wars overlay on it. Yep. The so Rock and Roller Coaster or
1: whatever. Matters. They do like the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers one or whatever. Yeah. So uh,
0: Space Mountain. So Rise of Resistance, Flight of Passage, Space Mountain. Um, Man, put me on the spot.
1: Uh, <laughs> there's Astro Blasters.
0: There's uh, uh <laughs> You don't like Astro so Candace Blasters? So Candice is more of a vintage person. Okay, okay. So Candace loves the vintage rides. Okay, fair. So she's all about like, like Carousel of Progress and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't I can't do this anymore.
1: Uh, uh, There's Indiana Jones, Matterhorn, Teacup, Splash Mountain. Yeah. No, like,
0: so I <sighs> – <man. laughs> I'm putting a lot of thought into it. You like, should. I know this is dead it's internet. Pod- I'm not saying anything. This is probably a bad podcast. No,
1: it's, it's very important. Uh, I would like your true opinions here.
0: So, mm, <laughs> I'm, so I'm going – I'll go Slinky Dog, I guess. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, a lot of Hollywood Studios on my list. Uh, and I'm gonna go Expedition Everest.
1: Okay, all right. That's a good list.
0: So I, I went really heavy Disney World, uh, just because that's what I'm more used to now. Even though I got married in Disneyland, Candace would probably have different opinions than me. Which do you prefer? So if you ever on this, you gotta talk to her about
1: that. Do you prefer Disney World to Disneyland, just you personally? Don't know, which is funny. Uh,
0: so, Disneyland, I feel, is more compact. You can walk it, so you can go to each park. Uh, and obviously, now with Avengers Campus opening in Disneyland, that might take the cake in, in itself. Uh, but I think it's more compact. Disney World is more of like a you gotta, being an annual pass holder now is a little easier for me where I don't feel like you know, I need to do everything in one day. In fact, that was so stressful when we make like the one time trips to where it'd be like, we got to do everything in these two days. And you'd be going from Epcot to animal kingdom to magic kingdom. Then you'd be hopping all over the place. You just get so tired. But Disneyland, I feel is more compact where you can walk a little bit more. So they're both great for different reasons.
1: Uh- We'll go back to wrestling now. Sorry to all of you who are only watching for the wrestling <laughs> stuff. I'm a Disney guy. What can I say? Uh, that- a bunch of nerds. <laughs> want to about wrestling. Nerd talk over. Back to the wrestling talk, which is super not nerd talk. Uh, that first two out of three falls match against Adam Cole is just honestly another masterpiece of yours. How daunting is it, though, to know that you have that much time to fill on a show? So, not that, much, not that daunting, uh, obviously. I think
0: that's been a a known thing for me right now is I think it's been the the narrative right now. Johnny Arrigato matches go really long and take over. But it wasn't, I don't feel pressure anymore to where, like I said, like I had that match with Andrade and it went so well. Then I had that match with Tommaso in New Orleans and that went so well as well to where I have so much, I guess, big match experience to where I feel very comfortable in that role. Um, But I knew what that night meant especially for me and Adam, like, you know, we both worked in in Reseda for many years. Uh, We've been friends for a very, very long time. And we always talked about having a moment on a big stage like that, having a match like that, and to be able to go out there with Adam and have that match uh, in the Barclays Center with WrestleMania weekend, uh, the highest grossing gate of all time in NXT history. Uh, it's, It's really vindication for us too. Uh, two guys, two indie guys, I guess, who were told that like we'd never make it, and we go out there and have the highest scoring game of all the time. Like, uh, it made so much money for the company, um, and it was so, uh, like, people lost their minds over it. And going back and watching that third fall, man, like it was such, such a cool feeling. Like I've never, I've never felt a sound like I did when I kicked out of his last shot after on the Brock. I remember I sat there and my ears were ringing. I could not hear because the place got so loud. But to be able to have that moment and have that match with him, but also have like my family in the crowd and have that moment, man, it was such a cool thing. I guess it was something you dream of.
1: I remember when I interviewed Adam Cole a few months ago, him saying that that specific kick out that you were talking about uh, was one of his most memorable last shots because it was just that sound is something he'll never forget when you kicked out of that. So, um, and and yeah, when I- I also remember
0: afterwards, I also remember afterwards, so the kick out happens and then he like, he gets, he throws a temper tantrum, he picks me up and he goes to say something in my face, if you watch the screen, uh, and his hair actually gets into his mouth. So as he goes to talk, he almost throws up. He goes like, Oh! (laughs) So I remember that visual as well. like I can't, I can't hear anything and I just feel a guy grab my face
1: and almost throw up. <laughs> uh, in, the, in, the, in the second two out of three falls match that you had with him that ended in that cage match, how on earth did you just muster up the courage to go off the top of the cage like that to, through the two tables? Uh, so
0: I'm not so I'm not a, I'm not scared of heights uh
1: yeah but that's still a big fall. you're not standing you're falling
0: yes, from there uh, <laughs> adam cole is definitely afraid of heights though okay so it's funny watching all these war games and stuff where he's inching across the inching across the cage he always gets put in these scenarios where he has to be on something high even though he's definitely afraid of heights <laughs> uh like man like i i always dreamed of doing these style of matches when i was on the indies and whatnot i'd be like oh man i really want to do a ladder match in WWE. I really want to do this in WWE. Then, like, being a ladder match, you climb a ladder and you're like, man, this is really high up here. Man, this sucks kind of. You realize how much things suck when you actually get these scenarios. And you're like, oh no, I directed this and I should not have. This is a bad idea. Uh, and yeah, like, especially in that moment in Toronto, being on top of a cage in front of a million or how many people watching and flying off the cage and going through a table, man, like, and almost missing one table and like landing on one table. But so like our body just took a huge fall. It's just some of the stuff that we put our bodies through. <laughs> let me tell you.
1: When I watched that and, I, and the unsanctioned match, I thought to myself, God, like I, I I, it's 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 easy for me to understand what wrestlers mean now when they say it's harder to take bumps without fans there because I was watching those thinking like, oh man, if they hadn't had the crowd adrenaline pumping through them, I don't know if they could still take a bump like that. Like that's a hard bump to take when there's nobody there to like pump you up and like have everyone cheering for you to get you to do it. Yes, that definitely helps. All the adrenaline
0: in the world helps. That's why especially now in this current climate when we're doing like, gl- like ladder matches and stuff like that and like there's nobody there and it's just quiet and you're climbing a ladder and getting ready to take a huge fall off that thing. It's it's very different. <laughs> uh, I say all the time, like I was trained really well because on the indies, sometimes I wrestle in front of like five to ten people. <laughs> I didn't realize I'd be doing that now in this in, in my current life, but here we are.
1: Uh, well, I've reached the end of the interview here. I had a great chat, but I, I usually close all my uh, interviews, all, I close every episode here with a few questions about the finishing move of the person I'm talking to. Uh, for you, that's obviously the Gargano Escape. So first, who is your favorite person to put the Gargano Escape on?
0: So I'm gonna say Adam Cole, just for the memory of him being put in the Gargano Escape and tapping out in, in Brooklyn and what that moment meant for not just me, but people that follow along for the character and, and for the story and everything like that.
1: What's one time you did the Gargano escape that you wish you could take back for whatever reason? Hmm. Man. Didn't look right. The a hard question. Didn't look right. You wish you could have that memory back and do it again. Anything like that.
0: I, I found that it's very hard on a lot of bigger men uh, with a lot, of, a lot of mass, where their, their arms don't really bend that well. Uh, so it's a little harder to maneuver them a bit. Uh, so I can't think of one in particular, but I I, I would just say like, it's on a bigger human being. It's a little more difficult.
1: <laughs> and lastly, what's the most memorable time that you locked in the Gargano escape on an opponent?
0: Man, so it's going to go back to Adam Cole, but it m- might also go into a version of it against Tommaso in New Orleans when he had the brace, when I used the brace to kind of do kind of a version of Gargano escape-ish to make him tap out. And it's funny because like the Grano Escape actually came from uh, a guy by the name of Alex Shelley, who was like a big brother to me on the Indies. It was originally called the Border City Stretch, and he passed that move down to me when I was looking for a submission. And the Border City Stretch became a Gargano Escape, and here we are now.
1: All right, well, we've reached the end here, Adam, I know you, Adam, excuse me, Johnny. We said we talked about Adam Cole so said much, Adam that's Cole, why. Yeah, we talked about Adam Cole for 10 minutes. Johnny, I know you got a big match, though. What should people be expecting from the NXT title match that you're going to be in a takeover in your house?
0: Takeover in your house, man, like it's, everyone knows by now that takeovers are something special. You cannot miss them. Uh, I am 100% going to guarantee that takeover in your house is going to be something Very, very special. Something you do not want to miss. Uh, It's hosted by Todd Pentengale. I mean, come on. Amazing. And uh, to give everyone kind of a secret sneak peek uh, into what I might be wearing that night. Uh, So it is Takeover in Your House. Obviously, we might be going with a vintage theme. Maybe I tweeted something a bit ago that might have been inspired by this. Uh, But we also know I like my superhero looks as well. So maybe there might be a special crossover event in place. That's, that's all I'm going to say right now, but take over in your house. You do not want to miss it. NSC championship is going to be must see.
1: Well, I cannot wait. And I'm going to make sure when, when my, as soon as we hang up here, I'm going to go talk to the WWE on Fox social media guy and make sure he tweets saying that you there and Candice are his we favorite couple. Yeah, we had a deal. <laughs> I will abide by our deal. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Always good talking to you. Great talking to you, Great talking to you as well. All right, that was Johnny Gargano. Great conversation. Make sure you check him out at TakeOver in your house. It's gonna be awesome. He's gonna be in NXT title match, but also make sure you subscribe to Out of Character on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Also make sure you follow WWE on Fox on all social platforms as well, including YouTube where you can find the video of this show every week. Okay, that's it, I'm done officially tapping out for now until next time i'm ryan satin and this is out of character download the all-new fox sports app now